glad morning when this life is o'er I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore I'll fly away I'll fly away oh glory I'll fly away when I die hallelujah by and by I'll fly away when the shadows of this life have gone I'll fly away like a bird from prison bars have shown I'll fly away I'll fly away oh glory I'll fly away when I die hallelujah by and by I'll fly away just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end I'll fly away I'll fly away oh glory I'll fly away when I die hallelujah by and by I'll fly away. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here together tonight. And Lord, we ask you to take each part of this service and use it to your honor and to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, we have the Scott Bodokoff family with us tonight, missionaries to uh, Brazil. And so I want to be very careful uh, with the time tonight to give as much time for them to uh, present their work. But we have uh, just a few points of business and answer to prayer. I have a proposal from the plumber. Uh, it is a different plumber. He... He came here yesterday, I mean, um, came here Wednesday. Yeah, yesterday was Wednesday, wasn't it? It's been a rough week. But, um, uh, and faxed me a proposal. It says, we propose to obtain New York City Department of Buildings plumbing permit, provide supervisory personnel in a limited capacity to keep all costs at a minimum. We will be present at all New York City Building Department plumbing inspections for this project. Uh, exceptions, all materials provided by owner, meaning we buy all the supplies. They'll provide us a list, and our fee is $2,500. And uh, if you remember, the last plumber wanted $5,000 just to get started. And uh, so uh, I think we got a good deal here, and he has assured me that he's going to work with us and, and do everything we can to keep costs an absolute minimum. And so uh, before I can return him a word, uh, we need to get this approved. Uh, do we have someone willing to make that motion? Okay, Ms. Frieda makes the motion. i write this on the facts here. Uh, do we have a second? Okay, Ms. Leah. Uh, even though the air conditioning's running, any discussion about this? Uh, this is the answer to our prayers. And so uh, all in favor of doing that, raise your hand so I don't have to make sure. Okay. Any opposed? 
Okay, I don't see any there, so uh, it's passed, and I will get him. He said, when do you want to start work? I said, yesterday. He said, we're ready. And so this is an answer to prayer. We've got another answer to prayer. We've been praying that uh, Peter and Jason uh, would be able to find an apartment. And we've looked at several of them, and they found one right across the street and three doors up. And uh, so you can't ask for any better than that. Uh, if something happens in the middle of the night, guess who's going to be over here? Amen. Uh, only one a little snag in here, and that is because of the moving and everything, they want the deposit and the first month's rent. And, the, um, and what we did with Anita when she had the same issue was we as a church kind of helped them out there and, and made that form. Uh, would that be possible for us to take care of that so Peter and Jason can actually move their stuff in when the truck gets here next Wednesday? This will be a loan. Uh, they will be paying it all back, but what we're just trying to do is help them over the hump to get into the apartment so they can start working in the church. And I don't know if you've seen the difference, but I want you to know I've seen the difference. Peter's only been here a little over a week, and things are different in a very good way, and I'm very appreciative of the work that's been going on and a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you don't know about. Uh, he has been busy at work, so could we have someone make that motion? Ms. Pam makes the motion, and do we have a second on that one? Okay. Oh, man. I know how to spell it. I'm just running slow here. Uh, any discussion, again, this is just a loan to help them get settled in the apartment. They will pay this back over the next several months. And the total amount is $2,600 there so that uh, they can get get going. So I guess all in favor there. Okay. Any opposed? Okay. Very good. And we have one other thing. We normally don't do it this way, but since we're running through business here, how many of you remember Brother Geiger, our missionary to Spain? Uh, some bad news. He has had a change in his direction. Uh, I called him up and talked to him about two months ago and said, uh, Brother Geiger, what's going on? He says, well, I'm, I'm just trying to get my heart back. I'm not quite sure what we're doing here. And I said, well, uh, we're going to be praying about this. And I, I gave him a warning that, you know, if something didn't change, we would probably have to drop his support. And we haven't even gotten a note from the man. Uh, and so uh, what, we're, what I'm going to suggest that we do is, since we're already supporting him on a monthly basis, just replace him with the Bodokovsko in the Brazil. Would that be okay? That way we don't miss a lick. The, the money just keeps going right on where it's supposed to be going. Uh, do we have a motion for that? I guess we need Okay, Peter. And um, do we have a second on that one? Okay. you got to be fast around here. She beat you, Carolina. And uh, Zuma got you. Okay. And all in favor? Amen. And so that check will be going out next week. And uh, I, I, I know these people uh, actually sat on the committee that endorsed them, and we heard their testimonies, and uh, I, I really believe that 
we could get behind this couple and it'll it'll be a church that if you were in Brazil and you visited once the Lord puts them there you'd feel comfortable there amen and they're going to do what we're doing here just do it in Brazil and so we we praise the Lord for that and so we'll take care of all the business there and uh, wow we're, we're doing good on time brother so take take whatever time the Lord wants you to do there and uh, brother Franz come and lead us in that next song and as soon as we're done with the song brother we'll have your presentation going does that sound good all right All right, let's uh, turn to 403, 403, is my name written there, 403. Lord, I care not for riches, neither silver nor gold. I would make sure of heaven, I would enter the fold. In the book of thy kingdom, with its pages so fair, Tell me, Jesus, my Savior, is my name written there? Is my name written there on the page white and fair in the book of thy kingdom? Is my name written there? Lord, my sins, they are many like the sands of the sea. But thy blood, O oh my Savior, is sufficient for me. For thy promise is written in bright letters that glow. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them like snow. Is my name written there on the page white and fair? In the book of thy kingdom Is my name written there Oh, that beautiful city With its mansions of light With its glorified beings In pure garments of white Where no evil thing cometh To despoil what is fair where the angels are watching yes my name's written there yes my name's written there on the page white and fair in the book of thy kingdom yes my name's written there amen and you may be seated
we have called God and we call God to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people who say, I'm Scott. This is my wife, Erica. My daughter's Kylie. Kira. Ellie. And my son, Paul. We are being sent out under the authority of Liberty Baptist Church and Pastor Dave Webster. For us to go save and call for the full-time ministry as well as the mission. When we arrive in Brazil, we will be attending a Portuguese language school and training for Brother Don and Mr. Lee, who are a veteran missionary to Brazil for 35 years. Our goal is through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit of God are to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and so that we say, to baptize those that have been saved, to start indigenous churches, and to train up national pastors to take over those. Cities of over 100,000 people and no independent fundamental works or gospel preaching churches, the country of Brazil and its people are truly one of the parts. As it is written in Romans 10, 14 through 15, how then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear?
First and foremost, I'd like to take the opportunity to thank the church, Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and Pastor Montoro for the blessing we deserve, and we appreciate it greatly. Uh, I thank you for the church and the pastor's faith in us. Uh, I pray that we are able to do as our Savior would have us to do, and to take the gospel to every living creature in Brazil. So again, thank you from the bottom of our heart. Also, just a personal note, your money in, uh, in Peter is, is well spent. His dad had him running me all over the town this week. So he is a worker, and I appreciate his heart. So thank you again. It's been a blessing, and I, I can't say enough what, what it's been being here. Um, I, I enjoy New York. I've had a good time here. I don't want to leave unless I can take one of your bagel stores with me. Um, <laughs> and maybe one of, the, one of the coffee places, too, one of the Greek coffee places. I really enjoy those, too. Um, my name is Scott Boltikoff. This is my wife, Erica, my son, Noah, my daughter, Kira, my littlest, Ella, and my oldest is helping in the nursery, Kylie. And we are called by God to the country of Brazil to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who have never heard it. The area we'll be going to when we're starting out will be a town called Cornelio Procopio. It is right out about six hours outside of Sao Paulo. It's where Brother Don and Leaf, Brother Don and Miss Linda Leaf are. They've been veteran missionaries on the field for now it's been a little over 36 years. And we, we are, are very, very grateful for the opportunity to go down and work while we're learning the language with veteran missionaries who've been on the field for so long. They know the language. They know the culture. And they'll be a great help to us as we train under them while we're learning the language. When we do get the language down, our heart and where we believe God is calling us to is to a town outside of Salvador, which is in the northeast area of Brazil. Uh, there are various towns up in that area of 250, 400, 500,000 people, and there's not one church up there, not one. And it's amazing to think of, you know, especially with, with us. We come from Texas. And so there's a church on every corner, but uh, they don't have it out there. They're, they're Catholic churches and, uh, of course, the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, but there's not a gospel-preaching church. I, I, I humbly ask for your prayers for Brazil. Uh, their economy has been growing. They are a top three economy in the world right now as far as growth. Um, when economies grow and money inflows to a country... People tend to look to money to solve their problems rather than the only one that can solve their problems, and that's Jesus Christ. And so pray that we can get down there as soon as possible to bring the glorious gospel, see souls saved. As you saw in the video, you saw how many people die every year. And I promised I was going to do this. My heart's in Brazil. I love America. It's my country. But God has called us to Brazil, and my heart's there. And I don't want to see one more peep person go to hell than has to without the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd like to give my testimony quickly. I'm, not, I'm going to give a very abbreviated version. I think your pastor heard a longer, longer version. I'll also give my wife's real quick. Now, my wife was a bus, a bus child. Two ladies knocked on her door when she was really little and from a Baptist church and picked her up on a bus. And she got saved under a preacher named Al Wells who was preaching on hell. 
And uh, praise God for someone that took the time to knock a door and pick a young lady up. And so that is her testimony, very abbreviated. Mine's a lot different. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up going to temple. So this, I grew up in a Jewish family. So this is very familiar to me, seeing the Star of David and everything. Um, hearing the rabbi bring the Torah out uh, and speak from the Torah, because they don't preach, they speak from the Torah. Uh, it didn't bug me at the time. Now I think about it almost weekly that I listened to a rabbi that was still looking for a savior. And uh, I'm called to the people of Brazil, but I do have a heart for my people, the Jews. So please pray for them also. They still are God's people, and they still need our prayer. Uh, I never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ plainly till I was almost 22 years old. I grew up not really caring about anything. I grew up, went through high school, just waiting to get to college to play football. I knew I was going to get a full ride to play football in California, and that's what I did. I ended up most of my senior year in high school surfing. <laughs> Go figure. Um, but uh, went to church twice in my life in 22 years, both to an evangelical free church, both to youth group. And at both times, there was never the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. My parents retired when I got my football scholarship. And they moved to Medford, Oregon. They started going, and I did not know this, to an independent fundamental Baptist church. And it was called Harvest Baptist Temple, and the pastor there was Bob Gass. And he also has an evangelist who's a brother named Mike Gass. Now, you guys have to understand, I've never went to an independent fundamental gospel-preaching church. So my idea of getting dressed up when my parents told me to get dressed up was putting a sweatshirt on with my shorts so I go in with my parents, and I, the doors open, and everyone is dressed really nice in their best, the best clothes that they had. And I'm here in flip-flops, cut-off shorts, and a sweatshirt, and I felt really awkward. So I went to the back of the church, and everyone just sat down and kind of did this. Well, then Pastor Bob Gass got up and, and talked a little bit and said, my brother, the evangelist Mike Gass, is going to preach tonight. And so this little guy gets up, and he looks exactly like the guy in the Lucky Charms box. Red tufts of hair, you know, little blondish, reddish tufts. And he starts preaching, and he's jumping up and down, and he's turning red, and he spits flying from his mouth. And, uh, and I really thought the man was crazy. But that night was the first time I heard the clear presentation of the gospel. And the thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're unsaved, is it convicts. It always convicts. And from that first time I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, it convicted me. And so I was convicted, but I really thought there were some strange things going on because I'd never seen anything like this. And I told my mom, actually, when, when the services were getting to re get, get done and they talked about going to the fellowship hall, I said, oh, great, we're going to pour the Kool-Aid, aren't we? It's over. And I really thought they were like cult. I did, I, because I had never seen it before. I'd never seen someone actually preach from the Bible the truths of the Bible. I never felt convicted before, so I felt something was wrong or something was weird. To make a long story short, uh, my whole goal in life was to play professional football. Well, I had a tryout, 
and unfortunately, I did not make the team. <laughs> um, so I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I had a college degree, but I didn't want to use it. <laughs> I just didn't want to do much anything but play football. And so when Pastor Bob Gass, we had been going to the church now for a while, my parents had, and they had assumed that I was saved. Because after a while, if you sit in an independent, fundamental Baptist church and you hear the preaching of the word and you see what people do, you pick up on it. So I could act the part. So I sat in a service just like you guys. I had got the dress down, what to wear. I knew what to say when people asked me questions. I knew to say, praise the Lord, amen. But I didn't know the master, and I did not know the author of the book. At that time, Pastor Bob Gass was on the board with Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. And to make a very, very long story, try to get it short, he asked, hey, do you want to go to Bible college? Sure. They all assumed I was saved. So down to Bible college, I go unsaved. And so I go to Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College and go two and a half years at Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College unsaved. And uh, two and a half years in, my mom got terminal cancer. And they had moved again, because my mom had wanderlust, to, from Medford, Oregon to Austin, Texas, and had bought a Schlossky's franchise. So they're working at Schlossky's. My dad knew it was out of God's will for them to move, but didn't stand up to my mom. And they moved, and my mom got terminal cancer. She was diagnosed at 51 years old, what looked at perfect health, diagnosed with cancer and was told she had four months to live from a little lump on her leg that had never been there before. My dad calls me home right before she passes away. I get to hold my mom's hand. I'm, I hold my mom's hand when she takes her last breath. A very hard thing for me to do because I love my mom dearly. And of course, like all people that don't know God, I blame God because it had to be his fault that all this happened. It's just like the unsaved. When anything goes wrong, we blame God. If anything goes right, we don't give praise to God. So I was just like that. So I, we buried my mom. Um, I never got the opportunity, but I'll, I'll, I'll interject it right now to find out. But my dad later on told me that my mom got saved by getting terminal cancer. My mom thought money could save her. She thought money was what would save her. God had to take her to a place in her life where money couldn't save her. Only God could. And my dad ended up telling me later on that she was witnessing to the hospice nurses before she passed away while she was still coherent, and she was praising God. Now, I didn't know this till later on, but another thing from, from a young man that got bitter at God I didn't understand that eternity is a lot more important than maybe 25 more years on this earth. What a great God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. And so uh, from there I go to Baptist Bible College because I wanted to be close to home, and it was closer to home. Still not saved. Been going to church all this time, going to Bible colleges. The only good thing that happened at Baptist Bible College to me was I met my wonderful wife. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, we met, we got... We, uh, we met, we courted for about eight and a half, nine months. We got married nine months later, so right in that range. Um, and praise God for her, and praise God for the power of a praying wife, because she was saved when I wasn't. Uh, 
we ended up taking a youth group from where she grew up, which is in Kansas, to Silver State Baptist Youth Camp. Uh, I met a bunch of pastors up there one night. One of them, who I thought was nuttier than a fruitcake, gave me a card, and he was from Texas, and his name was Dale Webster. And he said, hey, if you're ever in Texas, come visit me. And I'm thinking, fat chance, crazy man, I'm going nowhere near you. Um, He was just nuts. Uh, But God knows. And so we had this man's card, put it, filed it away. I end up getting a job, start getting out of church, don't want to have anything to do with church, start getting a job in the world. I get a finance manager position at an auto dealership in Grapevine, Texas. So we moved to Grapevine, Texas. Well, I'm not going to church. My wife's mad because she wants me to go to church. Finally, because my wife kept saying, let's go to church, let's go to church, I said, well, where are we going to go? She said, what about that Webster's? I said, I'm not going to that Webster guy's church. And so she bugged me a little bit more, and finally we couldn't find his card. But again, God, this is how God works. So we look up in the phone book, and we find Liberty Baptist Church. And it's, we go to Liberty Baptist Church, and it ends up Pastor Dale's brother, Dick Webster, who you saw in the video. And... Uh, For the second time in my life, I met a man of God that not only preached the Word of God, but lived it. And he loved me for me. He showed the love of Jesus Christ. Never wavered from the truth of the Word of God, but he showed that he cared for me and that he loved me. And I watched him like a hawk, too. So anyone out there that's a Christian tonight, people watch your testimony. They watch you. I did. I watched that pastor because I wanted to see him fail. But you know what? He never did, at least where I could see it. And God really, really worked to humble me in my heart. Well, I worked my way up while we were going to church, still not saved, to a point where I was managing Millennium Jaguar in Plano, Texas. I was running the store. Making my own hours, making very good money, had financially whatever we wanted. I was driving home one day around 3.30 in the afternoon, I've heard the gospel now for over 10 years straight in churches. And I felt the Holy Spirit of God do this to me. I felt God himself say, I am done with you, Scott Boltikoff. This is it. You have one last chance. You accept my son as your savior, or I am done, you know, bugging, I'd say bugging you, but convicting you. And it scared me. I mean, it scared the death out of me. And a decision I'd been putting off for a long time. Finally, God made me make a choice. Serve me, you know the truth, or don't. Serve the world. I don't know how God works in everyone's life. I always know there's someone sitting out when I talk, and that's why I give this testimony, who is me. Who knows the right things to say. Who's heard the word of God. You've been convicted for years yet you've never humbled yourself to the Maker and repented of your sins and accepted Jesus Christ. Don't do what I did. That day I had a choice. I always think about this. What if God didn't give me a choice? What if I was driving home on the freeway and God, God, I got in an accident and God said, you're done, I'm taking you now? I wouldn't have had a chance. I would have gone straight to hell. God, through his infinite mercy, gave me one more choice, chance. And that day, I called my pastor up, went in, talked to our associate, because my pastor was gone, Dan Preston, and bowed my knees and repented of my sins and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And it was the best day in my life. 
It was, it was literally like a rock had been taken off my shoulders. You've probably heard that before. I didn't have to play church anymore. I didn't have to play saved because it was real. And I was walking around. I did. I felt lighter. I was, I was hopping all around. Best thing. I'm saved. I've got a great job. I've got a great income. Everything's going great. I figured when I got saved that I'd wasted enough of my time and spent enough of it for the devil that I wanted to put my life towards serving my God as much as I could as a saved individual. So whenever the church doors were open, I went. If missionaries came in or church planners and, and we had money and God said, give, I gave it. My God waited long enough for me. Now I'm his. Everything I have is his and I'm a steward of my life my finances, and everything that he's given me to, to be, be or have stewardship over, stewardship over. So whatever God wanted, I just gave and did because he gave me eternity. He gave me everything. And I was excited to serve God. And so I'm making good money and giving. I'm, wherever the preacher's going, I'm going with him and probably just bugging the living fire out of him, Texas expression. But I wanted to be where he was. And I was happy. I didn't think anything could get better until one day that missionary got up. Brother Don Leaf, who you saw in the video, got behind a pulpit like this, showed a video like you saw, talked about it, talked about the people, and said the words that I will never forget for the rest of my life until the day God takes me home. And he said, you could give me ten or more men right now, and I can put them all in cities of over 100,000 people that don't have one gospel-preaching church. And my heart broke. And I started thinking, how can this be? There's a church on every corner in Texas. How can there not be one gospel church? You know, and he went on to say, there's Catholic churches, but there's no gospel-preaching. There's no churches that preach the truth of this book. And it broke my heart. And I was thinking about that, and my heart was being broken. And the last thing in the world happened to me that I expected to happen. God said, I want you to go. And I did what we all do sometimes when God tells us to do something. But really, me, Lord? You know who I am, me. You, you, you know what you've had to deal to deal with me in my life. He said, Scott Boltkoff, I want you to go. And so, like every obedient Christian out there, I waited. And I argued with God. And uh, finally... I got to the point where it was almost like being unsaved. There was a boulder on my shoulders just because I was not doing what God told me to do. I was not being obedient to God. And so finally, I surrendered. And I went into my pastor, Pastor Webster, and I said, I said, Preacher, I just wanted to let you know that God has called me to the mission field and the country of Brazil. And my preacher in great etiquette said, It's about time, dummy. <laughs> That's how he answers. Um, but uh, greatest day, second greatest day of my life. And now I've wasted a lot of years serving the devil. I'm saved. I don't know how much time I have left, but I know one thing, that for the rest of my life and the rest of my time, I'll be obedient to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people that's never heard it, to see souls saved. And I'll say this in ending. There might be someone out here who God's calling to the mission field. Don't put it off. Pray to God he'll give you wisdom. I'll say this too before I get into the word. 
there might be someone out here who's like me. You're still fighting the calling of Jesus Christ. He wants to save you. You know you're not saved. Don't leave here tonight without getting a hold of Pastor Montoro and making sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you leave, you are saved, that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. And that was my short version of my testimony. I'm glad it wasn't long. And I will be mindful of the time. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Don't stand yet because I'm going to have my wife come and sing right before I preach. But I want you to be in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 5. Luke 1, verse 5. And I'm going to preface this right as she comes up. Today I want to talk about two types of faith. One, both Christians, by the way, two types of faiths we as Christians have. One is a faith that doesn't please God. And one is a faith uh, that, that well pleases God. So two types of faith, two types of Christians. And I'm going to let my wife sing, and then we'll get right to the Word of God. Judgment seat. 
that song preaches. <laughs> Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word. It's a long portion. If you do have to sit, I will try and get through it as speedily as possible. Go right ahead. Verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I want you to catch verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel's answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them, and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou art highly favored. Excuse me, hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, again, a question. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. 
And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Feed unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much to be in your house, God. God, we count it a privilege and an honor to serve the living God. We thank you so much for the blood of Jesus Christ. God, we pray most of all, if there's one in here that does not know your son as their personal Savior, God, that they wouldn't leave before they made that assurity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I have limited time because, once again, my short testimony got awfully long. So bear with me. I want to talk about two faiths as Christians tonight. You see a tale of two people. We see Zacharias and we see Mary. And what I'm going to do is bring this about so that you understand what kind of faith it is that we need to please God. Now, a little background on Zacharias. Zacharias was a priest of God. I liken that onto a Christian, one that is born again, one that's saved. We've heard the Word of God. He's heard the Word of God. He's read the the scrolls. He knows what they say. He knows about Moses. He knows what Moses did. He knows about Joshua. He knows about all the miracles that God did up to that time. He even knows that there was precedent for what the angel told him. Because Abraham and Sarah had a child in their old age. So there was scriptural precedent. So he had the word of God. He was supposed to be the priest, the one that knew it and acted upon it. And yet, when he was told, after praying for many years, that his wife might have a child... And the angel comes down and tells him, okay, your prayers have been heard, Zacharias. Your wife is going to give birth, and she's going to have a son, and he is going to straighten a path before the Messiah comes. What does he say? Does he say, amen, praise God, thank you? He says, how shall I know this? As Christians today... We're asked to live by faith, not by sight. But some things have never changed. Zacharias in the old days wanted a sign. It wasn't a question of how shall I know this. There was precedent. He was serving what he was supposed to be doing, as it says the priests do in his office in First Chronicles chapter 24. He knew, again, the scripture. And yet still, when what he prayed for came to pass... He wanted to know, well, show me a sign, God. We know the Jews of the Old Testament were famous. They always wanted a sign. So he, the angel comes down and he says, well, okay, I, I see what you're saying, God, and, and what you say you're going to do, but before I, I get all excited and step out by faith, show me something. How many times as Christians today are we like that? How many times will God put something on our heart? We know the Word of God especially when it comes to our finances, because I was like that. Faith promise missions. God gives us a number. And you know what we do? God, you know, I know you gave me this number, and this is what you want me to do with faith promise missions, but, you know, we're barely getting by right now, so you're going to have to do something, God. You're going to have to show me something before I, I go ahead and commit to that. 
Well, when God asked you to do it, did he say, wait till I give you a better job? Wait till I give you more money? It'll just come flowing in. Wait till that comes, then step out and do it. Well, if that was the case, it wouldn't be by faith. But how many times are we like that? God asks us to live by faith, and yet we always want to see something before we act. We know what Jesus said. Jesus rebuked those looking for a sign. Jesus rebuked those looking for the tangible. Matthew, both in Matthew 16.1, and I'll read Matthew 16.1, Matthew 12.39, and, and many other scriptures, every time the Jews looked for a sign to, to, to show that Jesus was who he said he was, even though he did everything, he rebuked them. Matthew 16.1 says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven, so that they would believe he was who he said he was. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites. The last thing I want to be called of by God is a hypocrite. A hypocrite. I never used to realize that, but when you read the Word of God, that's what we are. We say we're Christians. We say we believe the Word of God. We say that we'll do what God tells us to do. And yet, when He does tell us something, and it's not exactly what we think is within our means, what do we do? We won't act upon it. Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. You want something tangible before you'll act. And it says, O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Real faith requires us not to act upon the tangible, but to act upon what God has promised, to believe the intangible, to believe what we can't see. Hebrews 11.1 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence. Faith is the evidence of those things we cannot see. How does our faith grow if we don't trust God? How does our faith grow if we don't act upon what God asks us to act upon? So you have Zacharias again, and I call him just the normal Christian. It's the Christian that comes and shows up for church. It's the Christian that leaves. It's the Christian, like I was, that didn't grow for a long time. It's the person that comes, but there's just no real... You know, they get saved, praise God, but there's no real change in their life because they don't live by faith. Because when God wants to grow your faith and He wants to see you have a successful Christian life and see you do all that you can do for the only reason we're here, by the way, which is to bring glory and honor to His Son, Jesus Christ, we don't do it. I want you to think about something, and, and maybe I'm oversimplifying, but have you ever thought about this? When God asks you to do something by faith, and you're having trouble, you realize that you've given your trust into Almighty God with your eternal soul, 
So we've given God our eternity, our soul. When we get saved, we say, God, we trust you with our eternity. And yet when he asks us something like money for, for missions, or when he asks us to step out by faith and, 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 and take the job that allows us to be here when we're supposed to, or whatever it may be, we say, well, God, you know, you're going to have to show me something before I'll do that. Have you ever thought about that? The little things we're so reluctant to do, and yet we've given him the most important thing in our lives, which is our eternal soul. We've given him that trust when we're saved. Think about that. It's always good to put things in perspective. When you put it in perspective like that, you can always go, well, God's asked me to do this. Well, he, 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 he saved my soul. I've got eternity. I'll trust him with this. So you have a Zacharias. He wants to see before he acts. And that is not of faith, and it does not please God. Then we have Mary. And I am going to cut this short to be mindful of time. But I do want to say this before we get to Mary. There's always a price to pay, Christian, if you are a blood-bought, saved individual of Jesus Christ for a lack of faith. Zacharias was struck dumb in Luke 1.20. The Israelites were not allowed into the promised land, Numbers 14. What happened when Peter stopped believing and took his eyes off Jesus Christ when he doubted? He started to sink. There is always a price to pay when we do not live by faith. We don't know what it may be, but there's always something. It's in the Word. Now let's look at someone who did live by faith. So we have Mary, and you say, well, Mary asked a question too. What do you mean she lived by faith? Very, very different. Understand that the scholars have Mary anywhere from 14 to 18 years old, and there's not an exact age there. So she's very young. Obviously, she'd been to temple. She did know what was taught. She knew all the stories because she'd heard them. But unlike Zacharias, where there was scriptural precedent, there was never a time in Scripture where an unmarried woman, an unwed, who had never known a man, had given birth. There was no scriptural precedent. So remember that. So you've got a young girl who'd heard the Word of God, knew in all the stories she'd ever heard, all the readings of the Torah she'd ever heard, no one had ever given birth that had not known a man. And she was told by the angel, Gabriel, that she was going to give birth and she was going to be come upon by the Holy Spirit of God. Notice how Zacharias knew, the right, knew everything, had scriptural precedent, yet still wanted a sign. When Mary asks her question, she's asking out of innocence. You know, there, there's things in our life when we deal with faith, when we deal with whatever it may bring into our lives, when we struggle with it, that it's okay to ask God. You know, there's a difference between going, God, I don't understand how you're going to do this. Give me the faith to trust you to do this. Give me the faith to do what your word says to do, rather than God show me a sign and do something before I react. Do you see the difference there, guys? There's a difference of the heart. Remember what God said, man looketh on the outer appearance, God looketh on the heart. 
there's a difference there. So you have a young lady, no scriptural preference. The angel says, I'm going to do this. Mary shows real faith. What does real faith require? It requires obedience. Real faith requires us to be obedient. Luke 1.38, when the angel says all this, and she asks the question, and, and she's bewildered, but she says, okay, God, you're going to do it. She says, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She didn't say, well, Gabriel, you're going to have to show me a little more before I trust you to do it. You're going to have to do something else tangible before I, I believe you're going to do this. She said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Real faith requires obedience. You know, God asks us just to do what he says and that he'll accomplish it for us. God never says, you know what, I know this is here, but don't worry about it. He says, here's my word. Here's what I tell you to do by faith. Be obedient. Just do it. Be obedient. I think so many times in our lives, we miss what God wants to do for each and every one of us because of a lack of obedience. A lack of faith believing that what God said in his word, he will do. God never lies. What he says he will do, he will do. I'm living proof. I think each and every one that's saved out here is living proof. If God said that if you repented of your sins, accepted my son as your savior and asked to come to your heart, you'd be saved. He said it. I bet there's a lot of people out here that have done that. We've repented of our sins. We believe that what he said, what Jesus Christ did, it's real. So I don't know what's, what's, what's with What's with every one of you? I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't know what you're dealing with. Each of us deals with something different. But I do know this. For us to be successful in our walk with Jesus Christ, we've got to be like Mary. We've got to have the kind of faith that says, God, whatever you said, behold, be it unto me according to thy word. I think there's not a person out here that really doesn't want to be successful in their walk with God. You know what the amazing thing is? When we're obedient to what God says, even though we don't know how he's going to do it, and he does do it, what does that do to our faith? It increases it, right? So maybe the next time something comes around, we don't balk as much. We go, well, God did this over here, so praise God, he can do this. You know whatever, what, what else is a byproduct of faith? another byproduct of faith, and you see it in the same chapter, chapter 1, and it starts in verse 46, and I'm not going to read it for sake of time. Real faith and obedience causes joy and praise. You know, have you ever seen the, the Christian that walks around like this? Hi, good to see you. Nice, yeah, yeah, great. How are you doing today? Joyful. And you're like, you're not joyful. Come on. When God's working in your life and the hand of God's upon your life because you've been obedient to God, no matter what you're going through, guess what? It causes joy. It causes peace. It causes that whatever is going to come into your life, it's all right. You know why? Because my God can handle it. 
I don't know what an unsaved person, how an unsaved person lives. I don't know how I live that long. How can they do it? No hope. No future. No joy. Oh, there might be happiness once in a while, but no joy. When the storms come, no peace. Because they're not standing upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. How do they make it? Christian, how do you make it tonight? How's your faith? Without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please Him. So we can't please God without faith. So where's your faith tonight, Christian? Do you have the faith of a Zacharias? Are you a Zacharias Christian? Are you the one that knows what the Word of God says? Show up and go through the motions? But when God takes you out of your comfort zone and says, do this by faith, you say no? Are you like Mary? Are you the one when God brings something amazing or something tough into your life, puts it before you or says, do this by faith, you have no earthly idea how you're going to accomplish it, you go, God, even as you say, so will I do. I believe you, God. I trust you. I don't think there's a Christian out here tonight that doesn't want to live a life that brings honor and glory to their Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave everything for us. But so many do. What is it going to take tonight, Christian, to get you out of your comfort zone into the place where God can grow your faith and make you a vessel usable unto His Son, Jesus Christ? What is it going to take? I hope it's not at great cost. I hope you can just be obedient. I would by the grace of my Savior, love to say that I come back here in six months and see that Open Door Bible Baptist Church has turned Astoria in New York City on its ear for Jesus Christ. That your pastor, when I talk to him on the phone, says, Brother Scott, I, I've got to find another building. I can't fit them all in here. I can't do it. Wouldn't you like to see that? You know what? It's not because God has stopped working. It's because we lack faith. We lack faith. Let's not leave here tonight without getting on our knees and asking God to increase our faith, to use us for whatever He would have us to do, to go out there and be light and salt to a dark world that needs a Savior. You guys have a huge population out there. Have you ever thought how many people, even at this moment as I'm preaching, are dying and going to hell without the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, God, I know you told me to witness to that person, but I'm scared. When is it, how many times have we been disobedient and God's wanted to use us? Let's not do it, folks. Let's do what our Savior has left us to do. Let's take the gospel to every living creature. Let's be here when we can. Let's see God do a mighty work here. I'm looking forward to it, and I believe that God will. I really do.
if you all stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, preacher, you'll come up here. I think we've all been challenged tonight, and I pray that you will answer the challenge. But there's even one greater challenge than what I brought, and that's this. There might be one out there tonight that's been playing church. There's one out there that may walk and not know if they're going to heaven when they die. Don't leave this building tonight without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Don't do it. There is nothing, no opportunity, nothing saying that we can't walk out this door and God can take us like this. When the music plays and when the preacher comes and the invitation is given, don't leave tonight without knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior preacher. Just have Sarah play a verse of invitation. You need to step out and spend some time at altar talking to God.